Welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. There's still some questions about the scope um, and the implementation timing of open, open banking as the first salvo to open data. Um, but I think a reasonable man would say within 18 months that we will be sharing some form of personal customer information. Today, ANZ's Emma Gray chats with Data Republic's Paul McCartney on open banking, value and the future of data. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Paul and Emma, thanks very much for joining us today on Blue Notes. ANZ and Data Republic have just announced a, a partnership, quite an interesting one, in a fascinating and emerging area in around data sharing and, and open banking. But I wonder, um, Paul, if I could get you to talk a little bit about what Data Republic is and what it does, and then Emma, your role at ANZ and how you see working with Data Republic. Yeah, thanks very much. So Data Republic is a, it's a company to, that's been built to help organisations exchange data securely and privately and give the organisations that have control of that data um, the ability to be a true custodian of the data and, um, and allow that organisation to share it with whom they deem relevant, um, whether that be for internal purposes or external purposes. And, um, and as a result, we've built a legal framework which helps us build an ecosystem. We've got common people operating on a common system and the technology that sits on top of that we call Senate and um, that's the technology that, that ANZ is now licensing um, to manage and govern the process of data exchange in, internally and external to their organisation. So it's, it's uh, Andrew, it's Emma here. It's, there's a couple of reasons why we were attracted to, to Data Republic. And so I guess in my role as Chief Data Officer, I wear a couple of hats. So firstly, in a, ensure that data analytics is happening to drive great business and customer outcomes in the divisions. Secondly, enable the technology that we use to uh, perform that analytics in a way that's fast and speedy and fit for purpose. And then thirdly, drive the governance aspect. So ensure that we have data governance that is um, for the consumer age and uh, and that's just a step away from the regulatory um, approach that we've taken in the past. So so they're the, the three big planks of, of what I'm doing. And for me, Data Republic fits in very nicely to those in, in a number of ways. So firstly, it provides us with a, with a safe, secure sandbox in which we can uh, collaborate with trusted partners in a way that ensures that our consumer data is high integrity and it's being managed in the right way. And I can't stress the importance of that. We currently have data sharing arrangements in, 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 in multiple areas, which are kind of legacy arrangements, if you will. And what we need to do is make sure that any data sharing arrangement we have is governed in a systematic way. Um, the second part is that we can actually do some forms of collaboration relatively quickly. And as long as some of our trusted partners are also availing of the Data Republic platform, we can partner with them and create really valuable customer propositions within a pretty short time frame. So in the past, it would have taken us quite a long time to do any form of data sharing um, and it was an ad hoc process. Now it's a systematic process, so we're building our first set of use cases and they will be with, um, with a partner whom our customers really value 
Uh, and so we'll be able to build the infrastructure and enable that, that mechanic to be set in place. We'll be able to use that in a very safe way afterwards at, at higher velocity. So our data teams will enjoy it. Our engagement teams will enjoy it because if they do want to co-develop something exciting, they'll have a mechanic to do so. From a governance standpoint, it means that we can govern the use cases. We can, we can have confidence that the data lineage is in place. We can have confidence that we're in an environment that's secure so that customer information is not compromised. And that's just really important to us because, you know, the innovation um, and the customer proposition development that's going to be required for us to do well in an open banking arena is something that we need the technology and partnerships to, to enable. And this is a great plank in that. So that's the first reason that we, we decided to, to make the investment is the second is there's a, there's a lot of potential opportunities on the table that we're not even sure of yet. Um, and so as the economy faces into open banking and actually open data more broadly, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to get built. And so whether we can we can work with Data Republic and others to try and build some of those rails, if you will, of the new economy, that's something that this actually enables us to do. So, think, so Andrew, think, think about a system. So when systems are developed as opposed to technologies, they require um, a, a core um, piece of, uh, a core attribute, I guess, um, which is trust. And so it, for an ecosystem to take hold, and that's absolutely the ambition of, um, of the open banking movement and of the open data movement in general. Um, that trust is something that sits um, very alien um, to, to most traditionally competing organizations. Um, and so, you know, in our environment now we have three banks and, um, you know, and so um, all of those, all of the hundreds of organizations that belong to our ecosystem um, all now trust one common framework and one common technology to ensure, you know, the things that Emma mentioned, which is, you know, security, privacy and governance um, are part of a system that they can trust the things like lineage, the things like process and the things like liabilities and indemnities are well understood prior to um, belonging to um, the ecosystem, and so you you end up in uh, in an outcome again, like Emma mentioned, which is much more much faster, um, and you're not negotiating um, legal terms every single time, which can take several months um, that you want to do a data exchange. So you're a sort of data Switzerland. The the, um, the other financial institutions you're working with, and, and Qantas, I know, is another partner. Uh, do those other partners? Have they got roughly the same sorts of ambition as ANZ, or do you see in these emerging ecosystems that uh, institutions are wanting different outcomes with how they're using data? All organisations that we talk to have different ambitions for what they want to achieve out of belonging to the ecosystem. They all united in an approach um, around um, providing uh, better services to their customers and more personal outcomes for their customers. Um, and as a result, they don't have access to the data um, that many of their non-traditional, now new comp competitors, if you talk about Amazon and Facebook and Google, potentially um, uh, having the ability to move into this market at, um, with much greater insight on um, what customers want and, and definitely have reach into those customers from a, from a demand perspective. Um, so we're seeing the ambitions really centered around the ability to um, more effectively personalize offerings um, and providing better services to customers. And I think that the approach that ANZ's taken has um, been exceptionally mature and innovative and uh, 
um, you know, data public's been really impressed at the way that um, we've engaged with them so far. And you know, I think in the press release and the discussions I've had with the media in the past, I've iterated that um, you know I'm looking very much forward to working with um, with ANZ um, as they go through to execute with what we seem to think is a number of very valuable use cases for the, over the course of this year. Because Emma, open banking has been in the UK now for well, well over a year. Other regimes are starting to introduce it in in Asia. Um, this is kicking off here, the partnership with ANZ. Is this something for the next two, three years, or is it something that institutions, you know, like ANZ, need to be thinking about right now? In you know, um, Paul mentioned Amazon there to compete with Amazon. So we're expecting legislation in the June timeframe. Um, there's still some questions about the scope um, and the implementation timing of open open banking as the first salvo to open data. Um, but I think a reasonable man would say within 18 months that we will be sharing some form of personal customer information, um, maybe just retail customers, maybe also small business customers, um, and, and indeed institutions, although we believe that most large corporates have um, reasonably sophisticated information sharing um, arrangements already. Uh, so the scope is still um, to be determined. Um, and the implementation timing is still to be determined. But either way you look at it, we need to be getting ready now for a number of things. So firstly, uh, we need to be able to share the data with uh, with a customer and their designated recipient. Um, secondly, to avoid becoming a dumb pipe, we also need to be in a position to receive that data back in, in, in a couple of different ways. But really importantly, we need to put ourselves in the position of being the Amazon or being the Facebook and say, if we had the data that we have, and then we also got some of the customer's financial data, how quickly can we provide them with a really compelling alternative to some of the products and services they currently get from a bank? Um, and so I think being able to inject that level of urgency into the team's thinking, which says, um, we are used to the data that we see today, but we are not necessarily across or aware of the vast uh, deep pools of data that some of our new competitors have, um, which which allow them to be at kind of 80% confidence of what they offer to our customers today. So so getting ready for that requires us to start obviously thinking now and, uh, and putting some of our plans in place. Uh, Paul, Emmett touches on an interesting point there, because um, when you look at sort of any sort of discussion of the future of banking, it's the the banks are these sort of dinosaurs who are waiting for someone else to come along who's nimbler and faster to, to take what they have. But you know, Emma talked about how banks have to be in a position to receive data as well. I mean, this is this idea of reciprocity, isn't it? That you want to be able to both parcel out your data as required, but also take in other data and use it to your advantage. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's really comes down to. Um generally our ecosystem approach so so generally you know if organizations um, are participating in our ecosystem uh, they can they can um, share data outwardsly or consume data inwardsly and and what we what the, what our platform does and what we do is we match the intended use in the collection statement of that data with the permitted use in the request from the from the um, requesting party and we make sure that um, that all the rights of the consumers are being upheld uh, and the process of governance is, um, is um, one uh, 
that it provides transparency to all parties involved. So reciprocity is part of is, is is absolutely part of the ecosystem. You can make requests to other parties who belong to the same legal framework and on and are on platform. Um, uh, but in terms of open banking and the point you make around reciprocity, it's it's it is a core part of um, of the Farrell report. It's it's debatable as to how that gets implemented. It's, I'm, I'm assuming that it would be a difficult one to legislate. It possibly will go down um, as rules as opposed to legislation or even um, possibly within standards uh, that hasn't been defined yet. Um, it's one that is, I think, quite innovative because it, it ensures that um, that assets aren't stripped. When I, say data, I say data assets and, um, and that's one that the banks rightly have challenged the government on um, around asset stripping and you wouldn't want to see that you know, leak across multiple other industries as the open open data movement goes into energy and utilities and another and other industries and so this movement of open data needs needs to um, um, ensure that companies are doing it for the right reasons have the right intentions um, and want to provide a better service and a more competitive product to um, to their customers so um, I think it's a it's a mature approach um, uh, but also one that will be difficult to implement and this idea of asset stripping that you mentioned, that's sort of roughly, that's where the data just basically gets used by anyone for whatever purpose they like, rather than the consumer having much greater control over it. Is it? No, well, it's more around the permitted use. And so, so what the whole framework and ours and the, and the government framework is, are about is, is based on a particular use case, you can do these things with the data. I don't think we should, get, we should dive too far down into the... You know the asset stripping hole. Um, I think there's a. Um, it's more about whether the data, whether what, what degree does the customer have a right to sh to um, uh, not just to own their data. It's about ownership, and um, and then if that ownership can then be passed on to the entity that is making that request, to what degree do they have that right to um, have all that data and what's being transparent to that to that customer on the way through, and so. Um, in, as, as part of their um, agreement to, um, of the fintech or whomever it is that's requesting the data. So there's, mm. there's, there's a lot of nuance around that, you know, um, request on a page and all those sorts of things that are part of the, part of the report. But um, you know, I think we're, we've got some way to play out yet up until June. I think this is a, a part of the, the GDPR regime in, in, um, in the UK that has really struggled. Um, and I think that the, um, you know, the, the transparency at the moment is going to be one that is going to be um, the critical police um, agent on on the system. And so I think that consumers um, will ultimately benefit from what's going on. So there's two things, Andrew, we've been talking with government around, and one is around whether there should be a... Um, some some um, some financial billing model for mm. the banks mm. in sharing data because there's a difference between a once-off could you share my data with bank X and you know they might be able to offer me a better product or a better loan or what have you then there's the ongoing um, and systematic sharing of data which actually has a cost to us and so there's some discussion and again we have to wait until the legislation comes to see 
whether banks may be in some way reimbursed for the, the act of sharing the data and, and, and actually there's a KYC process and an authorization that's, process that's associated with that. That's the KYC element is really... Is, is that's really with, important. And without, that should, without, that should, without a digital identity at the moment, yep. without, without, without a national digital identity, that's, that's the biggest challenging area. Other than accreditation, so you need... The challenge I've got is there's going to be a number of permitted uses and the report has absolutely restrained the permitted uses to be um, you know, fairly narrow given that you know, so there'll be no sophisticated insights that will be developed um, on the data. So there's no federation of algorithms model. They would need to come um, through someone like us to do that. And there's also no aggregate right. um, insights that are also valuable that are being um, regulated. Um, so it is really a narrow set of use cases, but for each of those use cases or permitted uses, um, you've got the um, additional, um, a couple of additional parameters around, um, around accreditation and, and authentication, not, not accreditation of the entity and authentication, as you rightly say, of the of the consumer, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got the, the, the I guess the the broader challenge for each use case is um, when they are requ- when the when the consumer requests that are they aware of um, yeah. of that of what they're requesting and what they're agreeing to and how long that persists for at the moment that persists for six months I believe in the report I think it's three three is it yeah yeah it's very yeah. interesting you see you see on the sides of buses now the NPP yeah. Um, yeah. At, you know the fish yeah, yeah. Uh, he looks like a stunned mullet in my view but um, but we've just started that advertising. And MPP is kind of here, and so there's, you know, as as a consumer who wasn't already on top of what MPP is, I would be looking at that thinking, I'm not even sure I understand what this is. So what is? So I think the degree of education needs to go up significantly. The only other thing I'd say on reciprocity is, so I think what it might look like is really clear for a utility company, right? So it's your kind of your your bills over the last kind of you know two years, what kind of plan you have, but if you're um, if you're a Google or a Facebook, what does reciprocity even mean? And the reality is it means things that, you know, we don't necessarily believe that they will want to 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 give up. It's it's effectively your browsing history, right? It's that's that's their equivalent of your financial transactions from our standpoint. So but that's the, I guess that's what they would argue to be the pain. And the challenge is with organizations that don't have data and GDPR tried to try to try to manage that reciprocity in a different way. Yeah. And it's actually really I feel like it's come around and, and and bitten them on the foot in that the ability for those large organizations to solve the customer opt-in like the, the their 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 demand side is quite easy you know it's a checkbox um, inside login most people are going to agree to to use Facebook or Google yeah. because they want that free utility most of the banks over in Europe and the large organisations don't have that ability because they've got um, product-centric collection statements and it's very difficult now to use your um, fantastic analogy to take the chocolate out of the milk, the chocolate milkshake, which I thought was a fantastic analogy. Yeah, um, It is, that's exactly what it and is. So I, I, I've, um, and so what I, what I think reciprocity is is, the, um, is our equivalent of that to say, look, if you want to um, have access to you know, um, data assets that um, organisations have built up, and the cons- we use, and the customer feels like it's to their benefit. Um, then you have to be willing to be able to share into the ecosystem. Correct. And um, because because the ecosystem will benefit, the customer will benefit by the ecosystem having access to the data. I think the point you make about busbacks is also a very good one, 
It's a very good one because at the moment we're seeing this movement towards open banking and open data, and data is starting to to um, come out of the shadows. And in the past three years that I've been involved with Data Republic, or having started it, you know, it was pretty much a four-letter word back in the day. Um, you know, actually and metaphorically and. Um, and so we're now seeing it to be used around, oh, well, this is going to benefit you, Mr. Customer. But I still think there's a lot of work to be done to actually showcase the, the, the um, not just the, the, the personal benefits that I'm going to get as a consumer from, from this movement, but the social benefits that are happening right now. There's a lot of them, but they don't, there's no, there's no um, huge showcasing that data is actually being used for good um, and that it's being used for the benefit of society regularly. Um, and that, that can, and if an ecosystem does take hold, that we can really improve the um, the degree of social utility that that, um, that data can bring to bear on th policies on um, and on the way that um, resources and funds are appropriated to the to the right entity. So, so, my view on legislation, be it open banking, be it GDPR, um, it's all very much about consumer-driven control over data and data in the hands of folks who can use it well. Um, and so for me, the, the, the banks who can use data well, uh, be it the data they have or the data they get through partnership, that is the key distinguishing factor between those who will survive and do well and grow their customer base and those who won't. Um, and so as we move, as banks move from a kind of a product-centric approach to a customer-centric approach, if we can be in the market with awesome propositions, if we can serve our customers better by knowing more about them, by addressing NPS and their pain points, we, we will have a very rosy future. And so I do believe that the banks that emerge from open banking, from open data, from GDPR, are, will be those who are passionate about their customers and can serve them with fantastic propositions. And those who choose not to do that, there will be a manufacturing role, but ultimately um, the, the, the value will go to those who understand customers well and can serve their needs. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that doesn't go for, just for banking, it goes for any organisation. Correct. Most of it, I mean, I'm on, there's other boards that I'm on that um, we share the same view. So we know that we have data assets, we're probably not using them as appropriately as, as what um, they need to. But we also know that we don't have enough data on the, on the consumer to be able to um, give them the sorts of level of service that they need. And so, um, you know, the real challenge that broader um, business community has, not just here but around the world, is, is just the fact that engagement propositions now, um, like social utility, search utility, um, convenience utility, if we use Amazon, um, are ones that are being used to capture a whole bunch of data about us. As, and we're happy to make that exchange between um, the value exchange that we make between search utility and our and our personal information or our um, search behaviour. Um, but the, the, I guess the broader challenge I see is is one where people value their data to the level that they value their money. And when that happens, when it actually gets on the balance sheet, we'll see a big change in the way that people protect it, the way they um, resource it, the way they think about um, um, putting it at the centre of their strategy as opposed to an afterthought. Oh, correct. Um, and so that that is a that is an, an accounting change, but it's one that will unlock an enormous amount of value on balance sheet. Um, will will improve leverage across society, um, and we'll see a real tectonic shift 
in the thinking as it relates to actually what data is and so um, and and actually um, holding it much more tightly but loosely as it relates to investing it in, in, in innovative areas and and um, and you'll be able to see people will be able to donate data for social causes and and receive compensation um, um, through either the social benefit seeing the social benefit or actually through or monetary terms, or, right. or monetary terms and so you know, we're working we've worked closely with legal firms to try and make that happen we've spoken to gap over in Switzerland to think about how where this sits on the intangible asset register um, with the things that they're thinking about um, but we're a little startup so it's very hard for us to influence this but we think that if we can build an ecosystem and and create a common voice um, around people who are at the forefront of the um, of the revolution around more open data and um, benefits that's going to provide, then um, you know it's for the benefit not only for the members of the ecosystem but for society in general. I totally agree. Well, look, thanks very much, both. It's it's obviously a, a fascinating and emerging area, you know, not just for banks, for across the whole industrial sector. So thanks very much for speaking with Blue Notes, and good luck with the partnership. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes on Air. Blue Notes on Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Mm-hmm.